Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Uh, our panelist today is Monica Ireland Caras. She is a veterans benefits attorney with Tayback Law Firm based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with offices located across the USA. And one of the people who's working there with her is Lance. He actually, I am taking uh, advantage of their services. I advise every veteran out there to turn to them. Um, so uh, Lance has been helping me a tremendous amount, uh, getting myself on track uh, concerning my own issues with uh, the disabilities claims. Uh, today's discussion is going to be about basics, financial steps to managing your monetary benefit check. And, uh, you know, this is the basics of making sure that you know how to uh, control that money that's coming in. So thank you, thank you, thank you, for Monica, for joining us again. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm good. How are you, Dr. Arnold? Oh, great, great. <laughs> doing okay good. today. Uh, now that I'm with uh, Tayback Law Firm. <laughs> I'm good. Feeling, I'm, I'm glad to, to hear that. Already. <laughs> good. I'm glad. I hope we can move it through quickly. Okay. Yeah, so tell me, what, what about this? What, what should we know about these financial steps uh, to managing our monetary benefits check when we do get it? So I think it's very important, and I know it sounds very basic to a lot of people, but to have a checking account in place and even a savings account. Um, I know that sounds like, of course, but you would be surprised how many people don't have checking accounts. Um, the VA does not like to send you a paper check, for starters. Um, they prefer to have direct deposit information on hand when you start your claim, when you start your claim from the beginning. Um, so if you don't have um, a checking account, routing and, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Routing and the clearinghouse number for your for your checking account. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't have that on file with VA, um, it's going to take longer for you to get your benefit. They're going to have to cut a paper check. Um, oftentimes, if you get a large amount of a back pay, um, your bank won't even, if you if you go and open up a checking account with that check, a lot of banks want paper confirmation of exactly what that is for. Um, if it's, you know, something in the thousands of dollars, the bank wants to know that that's a valid check. So you're just slowing down the process for yourself if you don't have a checking account on file. So my advice to anyone listening that either has started a claim or is about to start a claim is to open a checking account, even if you don't have one. A lot of checking accounts, a lot of banks allow you to keep like $5 in a checking account just to keep it open. So even if you don't plan on using it, um, you know, on an everyday basis, it's a really good thing to have in place is just to have a basic checking account. I know most banks have um, bankers that are willing to sit down with you and just set that up for you and walk you through the process, get you a checkbook, get you a debit card, um, and like I said, even if you're not going to use it, it's important to have it, mm-hmm. um, not only for you to get your benefit, but if you've hired someone like me or an accredited agent, it also helps the process for me to help you. 
So that's a very important thing. Yeah, because uh, so that account, it, the account has the account number and then a routing number. And, and it, routing number. <laughs> and, it, and it makes it, it, somehow my brain cell this click, but but that that's uh, that, that's something that's really important because the bank has a responsibility to make sure there's not money laundering or something else nefarious going on as well, right? Yeah. So here's an example of something that happened um, recently to one of my veterans was. Uh, I finally got my veteran rated. He got a really large back payment amount. Mm -hmm. He didn't have a checking account. So he was in the process of getting a checking account, and I was trying to kind of help him along the way of doing that. And in between depositing, and this was someone with no wife, no children, anything like that. He just uh, lived with his mother. Uh, Between the check being issued and him either starting a checking account, I don't know what, he died. So that very, very large amount of money, we're not really sure where it is. And that is something that could have benefited his mother. Um, now, I would, at some point in the future, it may still benefit her, but that's going to probably be a two-year process of un- unwinding. Oh. Whether he had a checking account, who is entitled to the proceeds of that. So obviously, God bless everyone. I don't want anyone to be in that situation, but... You know, you need to think about your dependents. If you're in a situation like that and you have a wife or you have children, um, if you don't have a checking account, that could make things very difficult for them even to reach the money should something happen to you. And, um, you know, I think oftentimes people don't realize that um, having a will is very important, but sometimes the worst things that happen in life are when you become... uh, unable to act for yourself um sometimes as far as the money goes and i hate to sound like someone who just talks about money but from an estate planning position if you don't have a power of attorney or you don't have a joint checking account with someone or you don't have your house titled correctly all of that stuff becomes very messy and if you're incapacitated and you need someone to write a check for you to pay your mortgage or pay your car payment so that while you're in the hospital for two months, your car doesn't get repossessed or you don't fall behind on your mortgage. Um, those are things that are actually sometimes more detrimental than if you were to die and have to pass along your uh, estate. The, the not being able to act is sometimes harder financially. So it's very important to have a checking account. You know, if you want to have someone joint on that checking account, if something were to happen to you, that they could leverage the money. Um, There's all sorts of estate planning things that could go into this even further. But from a very basic, basic standpoint, if you are filing a 526 easy for benefits, you should at the same time be making a step to have a checking account and even possibly a savings account open at that time. It'll just make your life so much easier in the long run. Yeah, you know, you touched on something that was really kind of interesting to me, uh, Monica, when you said, you know, uh, you know, in case you were incapacitated, you know, should people be also considering things, especially if they are, you know, in, uh, you know, older veterans who are in uh, – or veterans who are younger who just had some catastrophic injuries – thinking about potentially a power, you know, power of attorney. We have a lot of people with traumatic brain injuries coming back, um, PTSD. Uh, is, is that something that people should be thinking about? Who, who would I want to, to you know, so, sort of oversee my affairs should I become incapacitated? 
So um, things like that fall into kind of an estate planning umbrella, mm-hmm. and that is a state-by-state um, thing. Here in Wisconsin, I do what's called um, Wills for Veterans, where I do that for free. It's a free service we do to our Wisconsin veterans. I'll do a financial power of attorney, a health care power of attorney, a living will, and a will, or a last testament. And we do all of those things for free here. That is something... Um, just kind of to make a long story short, after 9-11, we saw that all these first responders did not have these kinds of things set up. Um, and then we found that even though we were helping our first responders, we weren't helping our veterans with this. So here in Wisconsin, we do offer that free service. But to answer your question, Dr. Arnold, yes. A fin- and what you're asking about is called the financial power of attorney. And that is very, very, very important. I can tell you from um, a personal perspective of being someone's financial power of attorney that document was more powerful than any will um you know after i'm not really worried about um my we discussed my father passed i'm not so much worried about the money on the back end i was more worried about taking care of him and taking care of his affairs um and my father was considered diminished capacity due to uh, dementia so i was able to take care of his affairs through a financial power of attorney and I thank God that I did that. So that is something to consider. Um, I'm sure there's resources there in Chicago and Illinois that will help our veterans. I'm just not sure who they are, but we could probably do a whole segment on that. Oh, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> and we need to. <laughs> but, uh, but I, you know, I just have to thank you because one of the things that you advised me uh, about is, you know, don't give up. You know, you get to, you, as a veteran, you get kind of tired of, submitting paperwork, not knowing what the forms to fill out, what to do. And so it's really important to have an attorney in the process, I, I believe. It's becoming even more and more important because it's so uh, people to the, to the novice, the, the, the you know, returning service member who doesn't have that uh, perspective, doesn't have that knowledge or ability to uh, read through all these documents and, you know, thousands of pages of notes, <laughs> Uh, you really need someone who has that professional experience to help guide you through that process. Absolutely. And, you know, the more we have our Gulf War veterans either becoming ill or they were ill when they came back, um, we have a whole different array of chemical exposure now that we're talking about that is really difficult. I mean, even the old chemical exposures are difficult, the old Agent Orange, the old um, Camp Lejeune, we have some guidance on that. So if you have a service connection that fits directly in the, the peg that they want it to, if you have exactly the disease that they say qualifies, then that's a little bit easier. Um, but then you, you get these off diseases. You know, you, you, you have a kidney disease, but you don't have cancer. And so it's not presumptive because it's not cancer. And then I have to prove that. Um, on the Gulf War, we don't really have these presumptions. And so I, you do need an attorney because I need to be able to figure out what were you exposed to and what are the side effects of that. And I need to be able to do the research and sometimes find you an expert doctor that can talk about those things. Um, and as far as um, Gulf War goes, Gulf War is a difficult thing. There's Gulf War illness, which is basically they don't know. <laughs> so... But the thing with Gulf War illness is they don't want you to have a diagnosis. So if you have no diagnosis, you might qualify. But then what VA is going to say is, sorry, you don't have a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. 
So you do need an attorney. It's very kind of a roundabout, you know, um, cat and mouse game sometimes. Um, but you are absolutely right. Stick with it. And, um, you know, I have a veteran. I was very, very pleased this week. We had a, a hearing in front of a judge back in May. He got a decision rather quickly because we got it this week. And uh, I think we're looking at about $120,000 of back pay for that veteran. Wow. Um, because wow. he's stuck with it. He's stuck he's stuck with this claim. So <laughs> I'm not saying everyone would get that sort of huge windfall, um, but when you do stick with it, when they keep saying no, 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 and then they realize five years later that they should have given it to you five years ago, you may have a back pay award coming. Yeah, and, and one of the things is also that I think that, um, you know, service members, we have a tendency to be, um, very honorable, you know, and we have a tendency to want to um, at least um, project that we are independent, that we don't need any help, we don't need this, we don't need that. And uh, those things that are, are given to the veterans are things that uh, they deserve to get as well um, if they are suffering the consequences of uh, the wounds of war. Um, whether it's on a physical level or a mental health level, uh, they, they need to um, feel that they are not just, you know, asking for some handout or something like that. It's, it's yeah. something that they're owed. And, you know, you know, I've never seen a congressional member turn down a free sandwich in the, in the you know, congressional <laughs> meetings, you know, in Washington, <laughs> D.C., in the cafeteria. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, and they feel entitled to that sandwich. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, you know, the, the veterans uh, who uh, re really need these services um, uh, deserve it just to make them whole again and to try. And uh, it, and it's an attempt to make them whole because uh, money doesn't always make you whole, but it can actually help you on that path. So. Yes. And, you know, the other thing to keep in mind, and some, sometimes this makes my job a little bit um, difficult, is each and every service member I deal with is a patriot. He is or she is someone who has served this country, and they're, for the most part, very proud of that. I do have people that come to me that have handled things that are classified, and they're not supposed to talk about it. And that makes my job very <laughs> difficult <laughs> when I have a, a veteran who was exposed to something, but, you know, the um, service member in them says, I can't talk about this. It was a classified mission or, or something classified yeah. that we did. And clearly there's no records I can get at um, because I, you would be surprised, maybe not surprised, how much stuff still is classified, um, especially as we get to the Gulf War um, veterans. So, it, yeah, like I, I respect and I love that, you know, all of our guys and girls out there, they did this for our country, whether they were, you know, overseas or they were um, over here doing something, but... Um, you know, sometimes we get in kind of a point where it's like, well, you got to tell me what happened or I can't help you kind of thing. Um, but I, I respect that. I, I completely understand, um, you know, the honor that people have to their country. But uh, sometimes that makes my job a little difficult. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And then it just sort of touched dovetails on something else you mentioned before. It was about the uh, issue of uh, corroborating statements, you know, so if you have a unit or, you know, someone who's witnessed something happening um, or even family members here at home, you know, these corroborating statements uh, to make sure that, 
you know, you're documenting that um, and, and that they're giving you uh, the kind of paperwork you need as well. Uh, you know, I know you, you're able to get records uh, now <laughs> from uh, the, the, you know, the VA system uh, so you can actually work on behalf of uh, a veteran. Uh, but, you know, what are some of the things that people need to know about uh, documentation and, and making sure that they are, you know, appropriately documenting uh, the things that are affecting them? Well, let me start by saying don't throw anything away. <laughs> um, I know that especially as we get older and our parents pass and we go through their things and we find the old letters from when you were in country somewhere or perhaps um, pictures or perhaps your parents have your medals. Um, keep all of those things but because beyond the buddy statements and beyond the corroborating lay statements, um, if you have, you know, proof via a letter you mailed when you were in Vietnam, um, that is helpful. You would be surprised how many people were in country somewhere that their DD-214 does not reflect that. And then I have to prove that they actually were in country. Um, mm. The same goes for kind of our, our, our newer, later vets, if there are email chains, or, and I know they don't get at computers and they can't really get at text messages, but if by chance you were emailing with your spouse and you were like, oh, I got knocked on my butt and now I can't hear, or I, those things are all very, very important. That kind of proof is the best kind of proof. So if you have anything like that, hold on to it. I get a lot of people that say, well, my mom died and we threw everything away. Don't do that. Um, the other thing is, is yes. If you are in contact with someone that you were in service with that can corroborate your statement, um, a buddy um, that was in your unit or um, your battalion, you know, that's very helpful. The other thing is if, if you were, let's say when you were in service, you were married to the same spouse you have now and you called home or you wrote letters and you were like, something bad happened and I don't feel well now or, you know, I was on a march and I... I hit a hole and I twisted my ankle and that person has a recollection of that. That's good evidence. Anything that's considered contemporaneous um, evidence is good. If you got out of the service, you got a wife and your wife now says, Oh God, he snores all the time, but your wife didn't know what you were like prior to service. That's not as strong. <laughs> if I have someone that knew you before, during and after and can talk, talk about the differences, that's a strong statement. So that's something um, that everybody should kind of think about if they need um, help. And and I know I've mentioned this in the past, um, and just to briefly touch on it, the evidence requirements for VA, which is considered an administrative agency, is different than if you were to go, maybe you've you know, been in family court for something, or maybe you've been in criminal court for something, and you know how you have to present evidence. Our standards are a lot more lax. Um, the VA's job is to help the veteran, and I know a lot of our veterans don't feel like VA is doing that. But at the end of the day, the people that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis at VA are trying to help our veterans. So, um, you know, just, just keep that in mind. Okay. And, Monica, please, please tell people how to get in touch with Payback Law and, and you know, the phone numbers, the website, uh, because uh, you are a tremendous help um, 
And uh, as I was mentioning before, I, you know, I'm starting to get a little bit of a peace of mind, you know, um, having taken a step that you were recommending uh, uh, to look at. And so how can people get in touch with you and, and, and get, you know, this invaluable service? Sure. Sure. So my phone number is 414-375-1735. 414-375-1735. Our website is Tabak Attorneys, T-A-B as in boy, A-K attorneys.com. And you can get a lot of information from my website. And just like Dr. Arnold said, when you, when you start the process, um, you'll be hooked up with a case manager and that case manager is going to figure out what we need. What are we, what are we lacking? Do we need to get your medical records? Do I need to get you to a doctor? Do I need these statements? And you'll be in contact with, um, it's actually a team of case managers. You typically deal with the same one over and over again, but we put our case managers in teams. Um, so, yeah, I mean, please call me, 414-375-1735. Um, I'm happy to help you. Um, I know we touched on a little bit about the financials of this, um, and I know Dr. Arnold and I are going to get into that a little bit more as the year progresses and maybe it gets cold outside and <laughs> <laughs> you all are sitting in, and listening to us or next to a fire or whatnot. Um, but we're going to get into the financial side of this a little bit more, but it's, you know, my job is to get you your benefits, and that's what I love to do. Well, we're out of time, but thank you. Thank you so much, Monica ireland you know, of the Tayback Law Firm, uh, LLC, which is our sponsor and also partner. Uh, but thank you for what you're doing for our veterans. Um, and uh, I'm just so glad and so happy that we have uh, an angel like you out here helping our <laughs> veterans uh, because they, they, need, they deserve that and need it. And uh, we have a lot of returning veterans from Afghanistan right now that are going to need that help. Tell your friends, give this number to people, and make sure that you have them connected when they get back. Okay. And so, obviously, okay. our Afghanistan veterans, please, anything that we can do to help you, um, you know, it's been a rough go, but we're here. Great, great, great. Thank you so much. Uh, we're more- Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.